Hi, this is Derek Stewart-McPherson from the Babelfish Project, and you're listening to Ungagged. Now, the theme of this podcast is no to yes, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit tonight about how people do change their minds and how you persuade people of something. Because I think we missed a couple of tricks last time, and they're pretty important ones. So first of all, let me tell you just a few things about myself to put this in perspective. I was born in Glasgow, brought up in Clydebank, and became a Thatcher economic refugee. I ended up in Australia, and I now have dual citizenship. I spent quite a lot of the last 30 years in Australia. I did come back for the referendum, but I don't think I should have had to come back just to get a vote. I wanted to be there anyway, to campaign and to be a part of it. I don't think I should have been obliged to come back just to get a vote. I got to vote from here in the 2015 Westminster election. I got to vote in the 2016 Holyrood election, and I will get to vote in the 2017 council elections. And yet I couldn't vote in the one poll that really, really mattered, that would have changed everything for my country and my friends and my family and all of you. So I think that was one thing that we accepted far too easily last time. We have a Scottish diaspora of conservatively 250, 300 million people around the world. Um, But unfortunately, unlike other peoples who have that kind of diaspora spread out around the world, we often ourselves fail to recognise those people as Scottish and to use that diaspora to our advantage. And as a member of it, can I just say two things? One, don't even think about questioning my Scottish identity. And two, whenever you hear this self-serving shite, you must never accept it. Yes, we'll be accused of blood and soil nationalism, but that is utter nonsense. Of course, our parasitic transnational ruling class don't understand a deeply felt connection to place, because they have none and owe no allegiance to any country. But Scotland is more than a place. It's a state of mind. It belongs to those who feel Scottish, whether they arrived one year ago, or a few generations ago, or a few millennia ago, or whether they left one year ago, or a few generations ago. This is not a contradiction. Scotland has always been a willed nation, a multicultural nation, It was formed by the historic alliance of the Picts and the Scots, which seems to have taken place without any serious conflict. Soon too can Romanise Celts, Saxons, Vikings, Normans, the list goes on throughout our history right up until the present day. All these people have chosen to come to Scotland and to live there and to share their stories with ours adding to our diversity and enriching all of us in the process. It is possible to be more than one thing, and we know that. Our opponents don't seem to. That is to our advantage. Now, the other thing I want to say 
is that when it comes to all these things, we must discuss our history. We must discuss our history and we must be prepared to engage emotionally with the people we're talking to. Because as any marketing person will tell you, about a third of people make up their mind based on rational argument and facts and figures. And two-thirds make up their minds on emotion. And last time we vacated that field, we left it to the opposition And they were only too happy with that. They told us we could not talk about our history, for a start, because that was an appeal to emotion. And any appeal to emotion was illegitimate. And what did they do? They went on to appeal to a shared sense of history in the United Kingdom and to exploit emotions, negative emotions, fear, uncertainty, doubt, to their advantage so because we accepted it and we said no 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 we won't we won't talk about that we won't talk about history we won't talk about anything emotional we won't uh, we won't risk anyone getting passionate about anything no we left that field to them and they made full use of it and it worked you only have to look at the results it worked now We can't do that this time. We can't afford to make that mistake. That's not something you can do twice. Not if you want to win. We have to fight that battle and we have to do it including reference to history because history is not romance. History is context. Everything that has happened up to this point is the context in which we live. And the context in which we take our decisions today. If we don't know about that history. If we don't discuss it. And if we don't learn from it. Then we can't progress. Nobody ever could. You have to understand history. Now. That's all very well. You say. But what sort of history am I talking about? Well history that's. Possibly not shared by all of us, because there are people, as I say, who have only arrived here in recent generations. But Scotland, as an entity, Scotland as a nation, has existed for nearly 1,200 years. And so has England, formed a few years after us. And we have got a history. We have got a history with not the English people, of course, It's the English ruling class, and it's the same English ruling class, pretty much, for the last, well, pretty much since the Normans arrived. It hasn't changed much since then. They're the descendants of the original robber barons. Now, that's still our opposition. Those are still the people running the place. So, of course, you can see why it would be very convenient to them if we don't discuss history, if we never say anything about it. But that's just... You don't take your debating points from what the other side tells you. That's not how you run a campaign. And that was a mistake we made, and we must not make it again. We should be proud of our history. There is much in it that we can be proud of. For instance, 
you know, it it could be anything. The the um the battle of Bun, the declaration of our growth that followed it. That's a fantastic thing that we've got to be really proud of. This is the first ever document that proclaimed the sovereignty of the people, as far as I'm aware, in any nation on earth. It was centuries ahead of its time, and it also said that they that it it that it was a recall provision included a recall provision. They said that under certain circumstances, the people could kick the king out. Well, that was pretty revolutionary for its time. Jefferson drew on it very heavily when he came to write the uh, Declaration of Independence. So, that sort of thing. And my own history involves, as I say, being forced into being an economic refugee. And that happened in the 80s. So, it's not so long ago, but it's still history. And it's still a valid subject for discussion. We've got to be able to discuss it. We cannot accept our opponent's version of what's acceptable and what's not. If they don't want us to be talking about it, and they really, really didn't want us to be talking about it, then we have to talk about it as much and as loudly as we can. Now, I just want to very, very quickly touch on something that you will encounter, and that's these accusations of romance, of appeal to the emotions, and more recently, it's been coming up more and more often, identity politics and blood and soil nationalism. And what they're trying to do there is they're trying to link our movement to the right-wing nationalist movements that we've seen arising in a whole variety of countries in recent years. Now, we all know perfectly well, and this, I suppose, Sadiq Khan recently um, tried to do this and was held off stage. Basically, he he didn't get to deliver the speech before he had to change it. Um, it was It was so offensive to the majority of Scots who are looking at Brexit and all, everything that's been going on down south and saying, look, we are not that kind of nationalist. That is actually what we're trying to get away from. But I think I can I think I can explain. And I'm going a little bit over my time here to do it, but I think I can explain, and it's an insight that I have from being in Australia. Right? Because our connection to place, those of us who are old Scots, you know, who've whose ancestors have been there for a long time, our sense of connection to place Our opponents don't seem to be able to see the difference between that and some kind of superiority complex. Now, you know why that might be? I think it's an imperialist perspective. I think when you come from an imperialist nation, then your thoughts of pride in your, in your own nation, your patriotism, takes a toxic form. Because, let's face it, being an imperialist nation you must think in some way that you're better than other people, right? You're going out to civilize them, to bring them the benefits of your superior culture. That is an imperialist attitude. There's never been a Scottish Empire. We don't have that attitude. Now, they won't believe that, and they'll say, well, you know, plenty of Scots were part of the British Empire, which is true, but it was the British Empire. It was never the Scottish Empire. 
And a connection to place and a feeling of identity that's linked strongly to that connection to place is something that I can tell you about from an Australian perspective. Because here, when I got here, I met a whole lot of people, a whole lot of white Australians, who didn't really have much of a uh, a connection to place. They didn't feel that kind of sense of identity. They seemed a bit rootless, to be honest, because they'd only been here a few generations and they didn't adopt any aspects of the local culture. Now, you see, you can go out to any high street in Scotland today and you can see people who've arrived here in the last few generations, they either arrived themselves or their parents or their grandparents arrived, and you'll see that they will have taken on certain aspects of the Scottish culture and retained certain aspects of their own, and that's great. That's what we call multiculturalism. In Australia, the white Australian settlers wanted to set up a little Britain here. They didn't take on any aspects of indigenous culture. But once I spoke to Aboriginal Australians, they understood connection to place. They understood the importance of it in having a sense of your own identity. And that is a healthy thing, as any psychologist would tell you, to have a sense of your own identity. And they do, and it's very much bound up with a connection to place. But you see, the thing is, Aboriginal Australians have lived in this continent for over 50,000 years. And that's when it's split off from what's now New Guinea, and it's been pretty much cut off since then. So these were people who lived for 50,000 years with this strong identity, this strong connection to place, and it has nothing to do with feeling superior to anybody else because they didn't know that there was anybody else to feel superior to. As far as they were concerned, Australia was the world. So these two things are not a contradiction. I keep coming back to it. It's not a contradiction. We can welcome people. We can take them into our, um, our idea of who we are. We can add their stories to our own. It's not an exclusionary thing. We don't feel superior to anybody. We don't have to. We've never felt that need because we've never been an imperial nation. England's always been big enough to take place in all the, take part in all the major European power plays, but we haven't. We've just spent our time trying to avoid becoming collateral damage. So it's a different outlook and a different perspective. But this time, we must acknowledge it. We must talk about where we've been as well as where we're going. Where we're going is absolutely paramount and very, very important, and I'm not denying that. But where we've been makes sense of it. It doesn't make sense without it. Without history as context, nothing makes sense. So the idea that history is not relevant to the current debate is an extremely silly one, the fact that our opponents would even suggest such an idea shows either utter cynicism or gross stupidity. Whatever makes us, as individuals, who we are. What, what do you suppose that is? 
Are we not the sum of our memories? How do we express our relationships with friends and family? Isn't it by the remembering of shared experience? So how does a nation understand itself? By reference to its history. It has made us who we are and taught us many valuable lessons. We ignore it at our peril. Now, the last thing I want to do is what they said we can't do, an appeal to emotion. The emotion I want to appeal to is the emotions of people like myself, expats. I want to make an emotional appeal to you. I want to say this. Do what I did last time. Come home. Once you find out when the referendum is going to be, organise your affairs, do whatever you have to do, come home. And the way that I'm going to express that emotional appeal is with a song that always takes me back to my childhood and in fact to my best friend's mum driving us up to Calendar in the car with us on the radio. Wild Mountain Time. See you.